in his light. Accomplish the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Okay. And he says, I'm God, and I was sent by the Father. And then what did he tell them that they could look at? And who did he tell them they could go to to witness who he was? John and the miracles. Now, I've seen a miracle, and then I've seen another, and then another, and I've heard John say, Jesus, behold the Lamb of God uh, who takes away the sins of the world, and I'm standing in front of Jesus, but because everyone else is doubting, everyone, I'm using it properly, um, you know, many people are doubting, I'm not going to believe the truth that's right in front of me. Right? And that happens so often, doesn't it? It happens in our, I mean, look at, the, let's just watch the news. Right? And you go off believing something it might not even be true. But because you heard it from the news and, and it looked like there was a big crowd of people out there and you go, hmm, maybe that is true. We've got to be very careful with what we own in our hearts and in our minds. So Jesus says there are two witnesses. There's John, but then there's the greater witness in God and that God put, uh, if you will, these miracles in me and it's, it's right in front of you. Can't you believe your own eyes? Not if I don't want to. If I don't want to change the way I'm thinking, it's tough, right, for you to convince me to change. It was difficult for Jesus to convince them to change. And so in John 8, 32, you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, and the truth was right in front of them. So let's think about uh, Pilate. Um, Jesus was there, and his, his wife, remember his wife had a dream? She said, I suffered terrible. This is what John 18 and John 19. I suffered terribly in a dream about this man. Get, stop, get away from this. Okay? Then Jesus himself astonished Pilate. He's like, wow, this this man, wow, he, he is something else. He's not like us. He investigated. He, he, he did all that he knew how to do or what to do. And yet it was because of the people, right? He knew they were envious. He even knew that, it says. He knew because of envy they, they turned him over. But he believed something. And that was if he didn't give Jesus to them, he would lose his position. Uh, there'd be a riot. You know, bad things are going to happen. So he did the wrong thing to, if you will, save himself. But in reality, he damned himself, didn't he? In the eyes of God. Think about that, right? And so it's, it's like, here's the truth. What am I going to do with the truth? That I know, it, maybe it goes against the grain. And we've all been there, many of us have at least. If you've come to Christ from denominationalism or, or just from the world in general, and you, you were excited about what you learned, and then you went home to share it with family, and they thought you were out of your mind, or whatever, they had their own thoughts. 
And you have to decide what you're going to do with what you know to be true. Are you going to hold on to it, stick with it, regardless of what others think about you, or, or are you going to give it up, even though you know it's true and you know it's right? So life works the same way, right? Um, here's something I know that's true, ethical, moral, it's right, but to go against the grain creates emotions in me, right, and you and all of us, that I just don't want to deal with today. And, and so my thinking becomes very bad in that I go down the, the trail of negativity and I begin to stand opposed to what I know to be the right thing to do or whatever it is that is right, right? And so instead of being a positive thinker, I become a negative thinker to save my own skin, to, to find relief. It's, it's, not, it's not relief, is it? Because you still have to deal with it some, at some point. But rather just for the moment to find some kind of satisfaction for just the moment. And so the mind of emotional reasoning can uh, get us into a lot of trouble if we're dwelling on the negative. So there's that, what is it, uh, one of my favorite commercials, uh, cartoons rather, um, when you have the, the, the angel on one side and the devil on the other shoulder, right? and they're, they're whispering in both of your ears, and one's saying, hey, you know, this is what you ought to do, and the other one's going, no, 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 do the opposite, and you know what's right. It's that, it's that idea of your mind thinking about which direction am I going to go into, into the, uh, the path of error or wrong, or the path of right, the path of negativity, or the path of positives, right? It's a choice. And um, the choice isn't always, it isn't always easy. But negative feelings um, that I begin to formalize in my mind, and, and then I, I, from there I just, I add to them. So think about building on a bad foundation. So Jesus talked about it, Matthew, Matthew 7. Um, you know, you're building on the rocks, you're building on the sand. If you build on a bad, bad foundation, everything about that building is going to be bad. There's going to be some good in there, but the good is surrounded by the bad, and then it just, it just gets bigger, right? So when I'm thinking about negative things, everything that's surrounded itself around the negatives really become bad because the positives are also bad because the positives came from a negative, which weren't, wasn't necessarily true. But I believed it in my mind, and for that moment, I felt better. How do I snap out of, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. How do I snap out of, how do you snap out of that mind of, uh, of, of negativity? We're going to John chapter 9. Once they become believable in your mind or in your heart, um, it's, it's believable. There's no, there's no changing it. So what happens when I, if I draw facts? Um, This is going to be a, this is a, not even, I can't even say this properly. What happens if I draw a conclusion from uh, false premises, from something that's not necessarily true, right? So I'm, premise one, premise two, premise three leads me to a conclusion. And my conclusion, um, if your premises are incorrect, your conclusion cannot be correct, right? But what if, what if my premises are all incorrect, but I still believe my conclusion is correct 
Well, we run into that all the time, right? Um, pray Jesus into your heart and you will be saved. My mother prayed Jesus into her heart and she was saved. The preacher said, pray Jesus into your heart and you'll be saved. I prayed Jesus into my heart, therefore I'm saved. And then someone comes along and says, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, I don't know. Well, why do you believe it? Well, because my grandmother said, and then the preacher said, and then this is what I did. And you go, yeah, but none of that's in the Bible. Yeah, but that's, but that's why I know I'm saved. Okay, but if, if God saves us, shouldn't we gain the knowledge from God? Well, yeah. So where is that in the Bible? Well, it's not. Then why do you believe it? But my grandmother said, you know, and we get stuck in this, this way of thinking, and, um, and, and it's believable. It's so believable that guess what most of the world today believes? You can pray Jesus in your heart. How do we get there? Right? From, from the negative or the false teaching that's been around, it's in the, it's in the masses, um, it's become believable, it's easy enough to do it, it's, um, the majority are doing it, it's going with the flow or with the grain instead of going against the grain, so uh, then many members of the church are falling away and believing things that aren't true like that. But what if I'm wrong, right? And that's kind of the question you ask, but what if, what if since we know it's not in the Bible, I'm using this as an example, it's not in the Bible, and your grandmother believed it, and your, and your mother believed it, and now you believe it, but it's not in the Bible. So my one question to you is, well, what if what, if what you believe is wrong? And that's what stimulates or begins that emotional roller coaster in your Bible study or in your talk uh, you know, with people. So it's the same thing about you know, going to school, and, and um, uh, we grow up, and we say to our parents, everybody's going to be there. False premise, right? Everyone's not going to be there. But we just want to say that to believe it in our minds. If I can't go to this whatever event, I'm going to be the happiest, excuse me, not the happiest. I'm going to be the saddest, most miserable person. They're going to all tease me, and life is going to be horrible, and I'll never want to go back to school. Well, that's probably not true, is it? Well, but if I believe it when I go to school the next day, because I didn't join the event last night, I'm going to be miserable, right? Because I believe it. Again, we have to be careful with um, basing our, our conclusive thoughts on, on false evidence or even having no evidence at all. What if you have um, taken an inappropriate action on a false idea? Well, that's going to end up in the wrong place, right? False ideas. Here's a question. Can something that's not true cause me to react or respond in the exact same way that I would have responded if it were actually true. What do you think? It's not true, but I'm going to react or respond the exact same way with the same adrenaline, the same emotion, the same, the same everything as if it were true. Is that even possible? Yeah. Let someone start yelling fire. Right? Fire! Fire! And then what? And then one person gets up and then it starts a chain reaction and we all just make a mad dash for the door, going down the stairs, whatever it may be. Yeah, all the adrenaline, the emotion, everything. It's the same way as if it were actually a literal fire in front of us. Right? And so, 
as we're engaging in conversations and thinking about life, um, we have to be very, very careful to do what the Bible tells us to do, examine everything carefully, right? Um, we, when you get a call um, from someone who's on the fence, committing, you know, suicide, um, and they call and they, number one, thank God they're calling because they're reaching out. Or maybe someone else calls you. They believe something that, you know, depending on the situation, it may or may not be true. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to figure out what is it that they believe. And the first thing you, that you remember not to do is you don't argue with them. <laughs> right? Ah, oh, it's not true. What are you talking you, know, you don't you just, that's not the word. You're just going to cause more emotion. You don't want to do that. We're trying to, we're trying to calm the emotion or um, rid the emotion, if you will, um, persuade them to go into a different direction. Many people have committed suicide because they start, you know, our younger generation, there are a lot, lots of suicide now, and they start saying things like, like David was saying, kind of, no one likes me, there's no one there, there's no one there for me, you know, and you, you'll hear this, you'll read, you know, their, their letters they wrote before they committed suicide, some of our young folks, teenagers, no one likes me, you know, because, because it's true, at school they were being, whatever, bullied or, or beat up or treated badly, well, whatever was going on in their mind, but they, they drew this in this idea of cognitive uh, uh, thinking. They drew this, this overgeneralized idea that no one, there's a thousand scooters, students in the school, and not one of them likes me. Of a thousand relatives, and nobody likes me. In fact, I'm in such a bad strait that God doesn't even like me. Right? That's, that's that mindset. Maybe that's extreme, but that's the mindset of that world of negativity, and how do you, how do you help them to, to get better? And, it's, and one of the questions to ask is, do you want to die or do you want to feel better? Those are two very different things. Very distinctly different. I just want to feel better. And some would say, I, I really actually do want to die because they, whatever it is that they're believing is, is really, actually, really, really true in their minds. And then they believe, like David said, no one, no one, can, no one can help me with this. Right? No, one, no one can get me out of this situation that I'm in. And we know, we know, as we're thinking uh, today, without emotion, that that's never, never really the case, right? Because God always can get us out of a situation or help us in some way. And it's, and it's, it's never that no one cares. It's never, ever true, right? Because we know we start from the top. God always cares. Casting your anxiety upon me, you, because he cares for you, First Peter 5, verse 7. But, but watch what happens when we draw this, conclusion about about life but now what about a person when you draw a conclusion about a person and let's think about how badly this person must have felt because the conclusion in john 9 uh, was believed by by the people uh, even god's people john 9 uh the, the disciples beginning at verse 1 and he passed by he saw a blind man from birth and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? That's their conclusion. This guy or his parents, it's a bad family. Get away from them. Because they did some bad stuff. Really, really terrible things. They did really terrible things because, see, I'm not blind. And my family, they're not blind. And, but this guy, he, he was born blind. He was born, a, you know, get into our world of... Um, false doctrine. He was born a sinner, right? a really bad sinner. 
he inherited the sins of his mom and dad, and his mom and dad were terrible people because he was born blind. Something bad happened. Was any of that true? None of it was true, right? But think about how you would have felt as the blind man going, yeah, I'm a bad person. No, no one likes me because I've done something horrible. I don't, know, I don't quite know what I did, but something happened in my life. That, you know, you start thinking so badly, so horribly about yourself. And that's kind of the, that's, that's the bad stuff that happens in our mind when, we are, when we're uh, bringing forth a conclusion without any facts at all. But, but because we believe what everyone else is saying or, or what has been said or stated at one point in time or another, they just automatically assumed it. And they're looking at this man and they're saying, this, this man did bad. Jesus, who sinned? That's the question, right? The question, who did it? And what's Jesus' answer? <laughs> well, it's not about sin. The glory of God. <laughs> it has nothing to do with, in, the, in one sense or another, this man. This, this is a God thing, right? Now, how do you start believing that, though? Wait, okay. The rest of the chapter, it, though the man goes from, you know, Jesus is some man to, uh, you know, being Lord, but, but the rest of the chapter goes from people going, well, yeah, but we've always believed that, so can we believe that he, this is to the glory of God, and so believe Jesus? And the rest of the account in John 9 is arguing somebody sinned, something happened, and he, yeah, he can't be the same guy, and tell us what happened to you, and his parents, well, you speak for him, we're not going to talk for him, because, okay, everybody that speaks for him is getting thrown out of the temple. It's a bad chapter about something that isn't even true. And you know what they missed in John 9? They missed the glory of God. They missed it because they were arguing about something that they had no knowledge of, and, uh, but a conclusion that was drawn from nothing but false beliefs. Je Jesus says in verse 3, Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that uh, the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, night is coming, when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then, that should have been it, right? I mean, oh, Jesus said, wait, guys, Jesus said it wasn't this man or his parents, so don't worry about it. Everything's great. What's next, God? What are you going to show us? What do you want to teach? That's not how the story goes. It doesn't go that way. It goes argument after argument after argument after argument of, of negativity and, and asking Jesus questions and, and throwing the man out of the temple and, and his parents denying Oh, you got to ask him. He's of age, you know, not wanting to give an answer. And it just, so we have to be really careful, right, with that. We're going down that, that path of, uh, of negativity. So um, before we go to numbers, um, here's just a moment. Have you ever been ex experienced or um, seen a situation similar to this, to where uh, there's a, a lie that comes out or uh, a misunderstanding? And then whole families become upset, bothered, irritated, give up on life, whatever, you know. Bad things that happen in the church, out of the church, on your job, where it may be, uh, where, it, <clears throat> where this one stream of, of, of information that comes in is false, and it creates havoc everywhere. You ever seen it? You ever experienced it before in your life? I think we've all been there, right? And 
And maybe there'd been a time or two growing up when you might have instigated some of those things. Definitely been a part of it in some way, right? I don't like to admit it, but you know there there's um there's a new generation out now. The stuff that I, you know we went through growing up. Um, not that I'm not saying we're that you you know the older generations are tougher, or, uh, but um, it's a battle of the minds, isn't it? You know, because they they're contending with things that. My, 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 you know, the, the younger children are contending with things that we, I didn't, we didn't have. I didn't, and I know most of you didn't. We didn't have phones, right? We had cell phones growing up and computers and, you know, and uh, Jerry Jones, the first phone he got was about that. No, the, um, but, you know, you didn't have, sorry, Jerry. That's just a free one. Um, but, but we didn't have, though, we didn't have the Internet. So we didn't have what is called cyberbullying, Right? And now we say, well, you know, just don't don't read it, but that doesn't work. <laughs> Not in this generation. They read it all, and it's like, um, uh, I guess paparazzi. I guess there, you know, it's all this bad, negative stuff. And then one person says something, they all they all gang up on you. All of your, your network of, of they call them friends, network of friends. And our younger people are going through some crazy stuff, right? And um, my solution was. Oh, sorry, kids, you don't get a phone. <laughs> that make you the worst parent ever, but, you know, it's worth it. Right? It's worth it. Um, our kids, that's all they do. You, look at, you go in the store, and they can't even sit in a cart. Right? Or, you know, we always have to entertain them. And, and it's just different. It's not wrong. Right? I'm not trying to challenge uh, any younger parents or et cetera. It's, it's just different. Right? I, we didn't go through that. So what, what is the answer? I don't, I don't have uh, the answer for that, but... I do know there's a lot, of, lot more streams of negativity coming through social media, whatever that media may be, um, because they're exposed to more of it. They're dealing with more of it in a, in a different way. And the problem is, talking about the young kids, is they don't know how to deal with it because they're too young, right? And, and, and so um, our younger parents probably need um, our help and, and just to maybe keep them sane because they're probably becoming insane too, <laughs> dealing, with, dealing with what they have to deal with uh, in their children and then the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and the struggles. And it's just from all this negativity. So we have to be really careful with um, maybe talking to our, maybe our grandchildren, just allowing them to have all these streams of negative information coming into their minds, Right? Wherever, if it's, if it's, you know, it's just it's social media. I mean, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, it's good. I know it's got some good stuff to it. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not a proponent in saying no more social media ever. But what I'm saying is there has to be, a, there has to be some control, right? If there's no control, then we're out of control. Let's just face it, right? And we're already struggling with control on a <laughs> in itself. And add that to it. It doesn't make it, make it easier. So... Imagine the power of negative thought. Uh, Numbers 13 is where I want to look. Uh, and this is very familiar to you. They went over to spy out the, uh, the promised land. God made a promise and said how great this place was. It's a place that's flowing with, with milk and honey. Um, they, were, they were carrying grapes, you know, between two men. Wow, that's a lot of great stuff. That's everything God said that it would be. 
Uh, and they said that in Numbers 13. I'm going to begin in verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them all, to the, all, all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and certainly it does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they brought back the evidence, and, and so it's exactly what God said it was going to be. There's no questioning what God said it was going to be. Here is the evidence. <laughs> Here's the fruit. We've been out there for 40 long days, and here is the fruit. 28. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there. All right. Nevertheless. So here's what God said, and along with the fruit and the land flowing with milk and honey, God also said, you're going to take the land, you've got to fight for it, but you're going to win. Don't worry, I'm with you. You're okay. You're fine. You know, you, this, we got this. You, you've, you've got this. Um, but ten men didn't believe in the Word of God. They had partial belief, right? A partial belief. Like, yeah, I know there's a heaven, but... Mm. Right, a partial belief, right? So I know it's everything God said it was. And yes, I believe it without a shot. But when we start looking around and we saw the people, you know, now it comes to the work side of it. But we have to go work for it. You know, we got to go fight a little bit. We really don't want to fight. And we can't win. They're too big. And, and they weren't too big, were they? No, not to God. You see, see what happens in negative thought? They immediately said, you know, God has promised this. Here it is, man, land flowing milk and honey, exactly as God said it was. Here's the evidence right here, all the evidence right here. But in my brain, I'm thinking, you know, there was a tall tree, and I couldn't reach the fruit, but he sure could. You know, in other words, there's a big guy out there, really big guys out there. We can't win. And when you start down that rabbit trail of negative thinking, well, number one, and then number two, all the way to number ten, and then what happened? They told us to the Israelites, and then what happened? Nobody went in. Not until later, not until Joshua. Right? And they, they said it again in verse, what is it, 33. There also we saw the, um, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak were part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers. And you see what happened? When I start believing something to be true, it's mine. You've got to be careful what you believe. Right? It's really important. We have to be careful of what we believe. Either, either God is and everything he said about life and, I mean, is God in control now? I believe, yeah. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, 100%. Are bad things happening? Yeah. Lots of bad things are happening. It doesn't, that has nothing to do with God. That's us. Right? <laughs> it's not God. That's, that's people. People are doing things that we ought not do that God is frowning upon. 
It's nothing to do with God. It's not a reflection of God or God's goodness. If your God is so good, then why is all this stuff going? God being good has nothing to do with why this mass murderer went on to shot people. That has nothing to do with God. That was an individual choice and decision that was horrible and horrific. Not God. But you know what? That mass shooter has followers who are going, yeah, you did good. Who else? Who's next? Who's going to go do it next time? You see what happens? All of this negative thinking is influencing the minds of the people. And so here they were going, they became almost mass murderers. They were about to kill Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. You guys deserve to die because you gave us positive thinking. Because you said God is right. We don't want to believe that God is right. And so, how do I get out of the, that mind or set of, of thinking negatively? I got to look at my, my premises. I have to examine my conclusion. Right? Maybe my conclusion is incorrect because my premises are off. If your premises are off, your conclusion is going to be off. Right? So, Tonight, I encourage you to, um, if, you, if you find yourself in you know, that stream of negative thinking, stop for a moment and pray. I, I'm telling you, that's the start. That is the start of getting out of the negative thinking. And have you ever been, um, well, let me tell you what I've been. I've been ashamed to pray sometimes. Like, oh, I can't hide it from you. <laughs> you already know what I'm thinking. I... Um, I'm struggling when I shouldn't be. But I really am struggling. And here's what I, and then you tell God, that you don't even want to tell God the truth. I'm going to hold it back as if he doesn't know. First place you start when your mind is in the world of the negative, first place you start is pray. Or maybe you don't know, you're, you're indecisive. You don't know which, stop. Don't run the stop sign. Stop and pray. So thank you tonight for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, in a moment, we'll have devotional and uh, some prayers and uh, a, a good thought for us. So God bless you, and thank you again. Thanks, Glenn. I think that worked out. That's a good sound. Does that sound okay? You got, did it get better? Yeah. Glenn, we're, that's better. Thank you.